0: What up people, this is I am Stevie G, here with the feeder, Lawrence Trent, and the super grandmaster journalist, Macaulay Peterson, getting ready to talk some serious chess business. So why don't you sit down and have a listen?
1: Tony Miles meets Ali G in A Full English Breakfast with Lawrence Trent and Stephen Gordon.
2: Uh, I I am actually now in Mexico, so I I did make it across the pond, luckily, uh, because it's a a rather big pond, and you don't normally get out of it once you fall in it. So um, (laughs) um, I'm here now. I'm in uh, Toluca, Mexico. I've started my classes with my kids. Here, it's all going pretty well. Um, the kids are enthusiastic. And, um, you know, we've just uh, actually the regional championships, which is a, a prelude to the national championships here. If you have to qualify. A lot of my kids did really well, actually. So um, I'm quite a proud uh, teacher at the moment. I, I've only been here a couple of weeks, but uh, I can see improvements already. So um, this is where I am, Mexico, nice and
0: sunny. Um, well, I'm back in Manchester now. I spent... Just over a week uh, in February in Capel, the end of February, played in the Capel open. Um, I managed you did s- well as well. Yeah, it was okay, yeah, I managed a, a decent performance, just missed out on my final GM norm by uh, a few, a few rating points, but you know there's still other tournaments, and hopefully I'll be able to make it soon. I went to bed before the, uh, the last round, thinking I needed a draw. So I actually prepared um, exactly what Carlson did against Grischuk in Lenaris with the Black Bits, the Speshnikov line, which seems to be holding up quite well for Black at the minute, but it's very drawish. And I prepared this with the Black Bits, and I found out when I got to the board the next day that I needed a win. So, uh, you know, it was a bit of a dilemma for me whether to go down this drawish line or try something else a bit unprepared. But I decided to be quite sensible about it. Went down the line got to the fourth draw and, and took it. So, disappointing, but I'm still happy with the way that I performed. So, uh, yeah, I'm back to the rainy weather of Northern England.
1: All right, great. Well, let's talk about Linares from the premiere episode of A Full English Breakfast. Uh, here's a familiar voice with a prediction.
2: I think he's been playing really well. Maybe this is his time to win to win a big tournament, a really big tournament. Not That's not saying he's not won. Of course, he's won tournaments, but, you know, to win this, this would be a major achievement so i i'm actually gonna put my money on him because i think he's in the zone i've, I've got a feeling i've been looking at his games and i think he's got a great chance of, of winning this
1: so you called it
2: i called it well I, i'm not going to blow my own trumpet but I, I i don't know i just felt that he was i don't know it was his look it was his uh, i don't know his games he just felt, you know He weren't making mistakes i know it was early on in the tournament but i just had a feeling and it's a real shame because i'm at the start of the tournament he was about forty to one, or something ridiculous like that. So um, I'm a bit gutted I didn't follow my instinct and put a little bet on him. But I'm glad for him because um, he's always been a top quality player, and he he deserved, well, he has deserved to finally win one of these huge uh, super tournaments. So um, I'm very happy for him.
0: He was generally approaching all his games with you could tell it was a really positive attitude. He was going for some sharp positions and. Uh, more often than not, coming out on top. He had a difficult position against Ceronian in the last game, but you know he he made it difficult for him and uh, came out with a draw, which was enough to win on tiebreak. So I didn't think he had anything to panic about. His chess was showing that uh, you know he deserved to be at the top the top of the leaderboard.
1: Well, he gave a very amusing awards acceptance speech at the end on the stage in front of a packed audience at the, the theater in Linaris. He thanked the arbiters for having supplied him with a Band-Aid when he cut his finger <laughs> before one of the <laughs> games, which got a laugh. And he also he, he noted that the last time he had played in Linaris eight years ago, it was Gary Kasparov who was standing giving the awards speech and he said it was quote definitely cool to be standing here in
0: his place <laughs> well it's pretty you know, impressive uh, isn't it to uh... you know win the same tournament that Kasparov has I'm, I'm sure it'll be that'll be one of his top achievements in chess
1: well after that award ceremony i i spoke to him outside of the hotel there and uh... wanted to follow up on a few points so here's what grishuk had to say
3: definitely eight years ago was much weaker that, that's for sure uh, and I don't know, I, I heard some very strange things about me that maybe I was playing stronger at the time, which is just absolute nonsense, just uh, has absolutely no ground. Uh, be- you think you're playing much stronger now? I'm just uh, absolutely sure that I was playing much weaker at the time.
1: You were leading from round six, and yet uh, you didn't seem to be uh, feeling any pressure or being nervous or something. At least it, it wasn't evident.
3: Uh, the thing is I play for so many years, and uh, I perfectly understand that uh, one tournament doesn't uh, cannot change much. And, but of course uh, I wanted to win it, especially when you lead, you want to win. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's more pressure when you're playing badly. I think uh, when you're leading it's less pressure because you lose one game and it's not tragic at all, you don't lose chances when you're trailing it should be compared not to like you're already ahead so you just should not uh, step back, it's rather like for example you go to mountain and you're just ahead from other people but in order to get to the top of the mountain you still have to keep climbing and still have to do things and fight and so on.
1: Well, anyway, I guess you can look forward to some some uh, some good invites again. Oh, well,
3: probably, yes.
1: <laughs> uh, do you know what your next uh, tournament is?
3: Yes, it's uh, Russian team championship and then uh, Grand Prix in Nalchik, Fide Grand Prix.
1: It, it, I had to laugh
2: listening to that interview because uh, you said, uh, oh, you, you must be getting a Few more invites. Now you've won this tournament. He said, "Yeah, maybe I think like like he's just won the most
0: prestigious tournament in the world."
1: Stephen, what do you make of Grishuk's analogy to climbing a mountain and preferring to be leading rather than coming from behind?
0: Well, I think it's much easier to play when you're um, when you started off. Well, I think you're definitely under more pressure if you've had a bad start and you you're trying to chase chase it a bit. You feel under pressure when you know what result you need more than anything. I'd say that being in the lead and and if it's not the last round of a tournament, you're still quite relaxed, you know. You don't feel as if, oh, I need need the draw to seal the victory or I need the win to tie for first. He must have been feeling the pressure a bit in the last couple of rounds, you know, and uh, I think he handled it well.
1: All right, well, anyway, Grishuk gets the invite to the Bobel Grand Slam final, where he joins Topalov, winner of Nanjing, and Sergei Karyakin, winner of Vykunze, of course. Let's backtrack also to another story from uh, the first episode, uh, which was the Mamedyarov Kurnosov cheating allegation. Uh, Mamadyarov, after being roundly rebuked uh, in various media sources uh, after his initial letter of complaint, he decided that it was in his best interest to write a second letter. So he wrote this second letter in which he gave some generally spurious analysis of Kurnosov's play claiming several of his games indicated computer use. Why did Mamad Yarov think that he ought to go and write this, this second letter instead of just backing off at this point and, and you know, Focusing on his next event.
0: Well Lawrence well, said last time, you know, and we we were discussing last time that we thought it was it was probably not a thought about decision, you know, that to to bring this cheating allegation up and that maybe he'd uh maybe he'd change the way he felt about it. But, you know, after after a week or two he's he's come back with this letter and uh it's obvious he, he means business with this. But something I know is that these games between uh, Onischuk and Kurnasov and Moyzenko-Kurnasov, they were before, right, weren't they? They were before the game against Mamajarov, yeah. the two games that he's also brought into the debate. Why didn't he complain about these games before, you know? He's, he's obviously looked at these games prior to the round. He's not said anything about them, you know? He's, he's not said anything about them at the time. Why well, you know, you, know, you know the reason why. <laughs> well, what? I mean, I think I think it's all a bit laughable, really, Mamajarov's argument, because as, if you're going to write a letter, you've got to you've got to make sure that what you're saying is true. And he said that Onischuk played the novelty thirteen bishop b2, and from then until the end of the game, move twenty-seven, Kurnasov played every single move strictly in accordance with the first choice of Ribka. And he's, and he's claimed something here that's just not true. This
2: has turned into not something that was quite serious. Um, it, it is now not only serious, but can be very devastating and embarrassing for Mamajarov. because um, let's, let's just take a look at this. I mean, I, mean, I don't really want to get into the interest, intricacies of, of whether this move was correct, you know, et cetera, et cetera, It has been quite clearly shown, demonstrated now, that what Mamajarov has claimed is complete completely false. I just want to know where this is going to lead to. Because, um, if this were any other than any other sport, I mean, you know, I, sued, I'm going to classify chess he as a sport. He can get sued for defamation of character. You can't just go around blaming people, accusing people of cheating. And, you know, I was so surprised when I heard that he, he, he wrote this second letter and stood by his guns and, you know, said, you know, I, I'm 100% sure. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I've actually had the privilege to meet him. In fact, I've had the privilege to play him. And I think, genuinely, he's a very, very nice guy. But, you know, he's just going to ruin his reputation doing this. And I don't know now what's going to happen with his career because our organisers, are um, tournaments really going to invite somebody who was who so openly accused somebody of cheating without any real evidence? I mean, it's, it's quite simple. I I am genuinely intrigued as to whether Kurnosov can take this up legally. I I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm 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 a bit shocked, to be honest. Uh, You see, I I mean, I I don't know. I'm by no means acquainted with the legal aspects of this, but you know, this is an open letter, and this could be classed as defamation of character. I I don't really know.
1: I can just add that one of the arbiters from Aeroflot. Uh, is the the Dutch arbiter Kurt Heisen, who is also the chief arbiter here in Nice at the Amber Blindfold and Rapid? So I had a chance to ask him about it. Two points uh, that he made: one was that after Mamedyarov came to him and was concerned that Kornilov was leaving the board frequently, was had raised some uh, suspicion. Uh, he actually, Mamedyarov, that is, requested that the game transmission online be terminated, and the arbiters in fact obliged him. They ended the the uh, online relay of his game on board one uh, right around move fourteen around the time that he says he offered a draw to Kurnosov. Heisen also personally followed Kurnosov on a couple of occasions he said and witnessed him personally smoking in the smoking area and and also once uh, going to use the restroom but he said he saw nothing untoward. So it's not as though uh, Kurnosov was, was just uh, ha- had a free hand to go wherever, whenever. Um, they were keeping an eye on him and, and didn't witness anything.
2: Well, there you go. You know, it's, uh, I don't know what you think, Stephen, but I think Mamajov, if, if he gets a shovel any bigger, uh, he's going to dig a hole that he really cannot get out of in in some quite sadistic way. I'm quite looking forward to seeing what's happening.
1: All right, I think uh, I think we we've just about covered that. I want to talk about Melody Amber, and I don't mean the vivacious elder daughter of Joop Van Ostrom either. Uh, in fact, she has yet to make an appearance um, here.
2: Wouldn't that be a more exciting subject, though? Let's face
1: it. <laughs> But before we get to the uh, amber tournament, the Adon Topalov match has now been postponed until, uh, they say, at the latest next April, but I would also add probably at the earliest <laughs> next April. Um, that's now been confirmed by uh, FIDE after the presidential board meeting in Istanbul. But before that, uh, the website Chess Dumb had published an, an interview with FIDE Deputy President Makropoulos in which he's quoted as saying that Anand himself requested the postponement. At the end of Linares, I asked Vichy about this, trying to get a confirmation, and here's here's that exchange. Macropolis said that you had asked for a postponement of the match with Topalov until next April. Is that is that Well,
2: I, I don't really want to discuss it. I, I think uh, these negotiations will go on at some point, will start at some point, so I'd rather uh, not uh, discuss that.
1: But, is it your wish? I would rather not.
2: Uh, I would rather not discuss uh, that right now. Well, so.
1: that, I mean, he, he's he's made this statement.
3: That's, yeah. Fine. Yeah, that's fine.
1: Okay. So, at the risk of annoying the world champion, uh, I just really wanted him to say <laughs> yes, I said that, or no, I didn't. But uh, he was not. Do you going think he out. didn't want
2: to speak at that point? I got the impression somehow <laughs> that he uh, he didn't really want to make a comment. <laughs> he that.
0: had somewhere to be. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well. <laughs> Yeah.
0: He, he is uh,
1: he is not uh, not always in the best of moods at a tournament that's not going well. But it struck me as a little bit a little bit silly, a little bit snippy in effect, since this was something that the that Fide was about to confirm in a press release. Uh, and it was just a question of having uh, an unconfirmed quote from Macropolis. Uh, that was pinning this on Anand in a sense and and uh you know wanting to try to, to get the straight story.
0: I don't think he's he he's not gonna be scared about playing him. I don't see any chess reasons for not playing it. Why not, you know everyone wants to see it, I bet he's up for it. It sounds a little unprofessional for uh Macropolis to say that it was Anand who's who's put it back. Should he should he really be speaking about who who says what in the negotiations.
2: I doubt it, I doubt it very much I mean, I I, I don't really know what, how
0: much of a difference it's going to make
2: um, Is it a question to do, is it is it a money thing is it is it um, does he really want to bask in his glory for a bit longer and that doesn't seem like the type of character to, to just, you know, jump on his own bandwagon for yeah, a he, few he more, more
0: months He seemed quite ready for that match with Cram. Well, exactly. there didn't seem to be much delay in that
2: At the end of the day, it's more than likely to be something you know, to do with personal reasons and who are we to judge whether, you know, he wants it to be put back or not at the end of the day he is uh, he is world champion and um, you know I'm sure they'll come to an arrangement pretty soon but uh, I don't think we should be too surprised or, or shocked if if the dates move uh, a bit here and there I mean we should be used to it right with everything that's happened in the past five to ten years with world championship matches and Qualifying and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So for me personally, I, it doesn't really make a difference whether it's in April or not.
1: All right. Well, all three of them are playing here in Nice, some exciting games. What what has has stuck out in your minds, Stephen? I'll start with you.
0: I was really impressed with the match up between Moravec and Topol. Morosevic played a really nice game in the blindfold, and then. Uh, it was a nice strike back from Topolov to even the match one all in that one. Really enjoyed seeing Carlson beat Anand with the black bits. And, yeah, that and was Carly, his, that was his first
1: time that uh, Carlson's beaten Anand with black.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that must, um, you know, that has extra meaning for him. He'll definitely take something from that. But I've got a question for you about about that matchup because I read yesterday on one of the one of the websites that uh, there was um, a little bit of conflict. In the second game, where Carl, I think did Anand offer a draw first? Carlson refused it. Then Carlson offered one, back. Anand refused and slammed the move out. Do you know anything about this? They always look very friendly, you know, in these photos and uh, at these tournaments. So uh, it's a strange one. He offered a draw. You declined. You offered
1: a draw. Uh, I, I,
3: don't, I don't think he was. Uh, <laughs> very happy with the fact that I declined his draw for hits too. To say that there was any real tension would be way too much.
1: So it's not like it was anything out of the ordinary?
3: Not as far as I'm concerned, at least.
1: All right, um, you mentioned Topalov's win over Morozevich. He lost to, to Morozevich in the blindfold.
0: Well, Morozevich, everyone, everyone uh, talks about him as being, you know, the favorite for the blindfold section every time he's in in this.
1: I, one thing I've been trying to find out, and maybe you guys have some thoughts on it, is to what extent it's possible to prepare for blindfold, if, if it's something that, that you get better with, with experience, or if you can actually take some concrete steps to improve your blindfold game, or if it's all just talent. I asked Paul about this, and uh, here's what he said.
4: You know, for me, like, uh, when I play blindfold, I imagine the, the board like the way it is, uh, like this, like uh, vertical. You no know, and not playing, so it's this is the difference it's about uh, the way you see the board, maybe some vi- vision for me
1: so even when you 're playing with a real blindfold, not with the computer, you still imagine the board as a two dimensional image
4: yeah yeah, I mean okay, after so many games here, finally you're used to this the screen you know, but uh also, of course, uh, openings are a little bit different because you can take more risks, especially uh, if you, well, well, okay, even if it's uh, in the opening, uh, the, some dubious line, you can still play it on blindfold. Uh, of course, also, uh, especially the first, year, first years I played in Melody, remember, we had uh, very good quality games with uh, theoretical discussions. And now, still, it happens, but... Uh, I, Less maybe because uh, the problem of uh, playing good novelty maybe is that uh, you don't the, you don't have the guarantee that you don't blunder at any moment some some pawn or some queen even on mating one so which is more probable to to do in a blindfold game than in a normal one.
1: Topom says that he's so used to working with the computer. The way they do it here with these laptops with an empty board, that he just uh, he doesn't even imagine a chessboard anymore.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah. That's, how, that's probably how most people imagine it. I mean, I I know that I agree. when I was um, when I was doing a lot of training when I was younger, I used to get chess videos, and the screen on that would be two dimensional, and that's that's pretty much the same picture I've got in my head now when I'm you know thinking about chess without a board in th- in front of me. When when I'm on the bus back from
2: uh, one of these tournaments. You know, where we've traveled to the uh, countryside in the middle of nowhere and uh, we're going to the airport. Often, uh, me and Stephen, we have a game of blindfold, and I really struggle um, trying to visualize one board, let alone uh, four boards, as did he recently. You always beat uh,
0: me, mine. You always seem <laughs> to win.
2: It's, uh, it's only because I'm a bit, bit tricky, you see, and uh, I actually just lie. As well. Oh no, your peace wasn't there, Stephen. And you know, Stephen's such a genuine bloke; he'll just accept everything I say. So, no, but uh, I can't believe I'm hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this whole blindfold thing—it's—I uh, don't know—it's really interesting. And you said before, how can you improve your blindfold? Truth is, I don't know. Obviously, concentration—you just got to uh,
0: practice it, haven't you? You got to practice. practice con-
2: your but yeah. concentration is key. I mean, as as Topolov said, Stephen. I mean. You've got to know where all the pieces are, otherwise you're going to put your queen on pre. This whole blindfold thing is quite funny because some players say they actually, when they're playing a real game, a lot of the time you'll see them staring into the sky. And once I was, it was actually a Cap Dagda. I thought if I Chuck was staring me right in the eye looking for a fight or something, but no, he was just thinking about his game because sometimes you can visualise the pieces a lot clearer, closing your eyes or looking up, looking away from the board.
0: Whenever I watched Shirov, sure he he's walking around the room constantly. So he must be he must be thinking a lot about his game in his head. You know, it's the the first time I heard about the the top players um, not really focusing on the board when they're analysing during the games was I I, I heard this about Ivanchuk, he's... He spends a bit of time staring at a wall or even staring at the roof. The benefit of doing that is you don't you don't trip yourself up when you when you're analyzing on a board sometimes you you might forget that a piece has moved in your analysis, and that often happens to me you know i'll make a bad call i'll make a bad decision because I've been looking at the board analyzing and it's not as it's not as fresh and you you can often miss when a piece has moved in your analysis if you if you're just staring at the board so it helps. If you can if you've got a picture in your mind of the book, it helps a lot because all the pieces are moving. Therefore there's there's actually less room to, you know, make fault in your analysis if you if you can do that well.
1: Yeah. Okay, well I've got one more clip for you I wanna play. Speaking of uh, staying fresh and also this blindfold question. This was uh, Levin Aronian's take on it. And uh, I mentioned that last year at this event, he brought his father along. But uh, this year he had decided to bring both parents. So uh, this was uh, Aronian uh, after the first round here in Nice.
3: In general,
0: you don't really have to work or anything. You just have to relax. And when you really enjoy it, just go on and play. It. So I don't really think I need to uh, improve somewhere or or train somewhere. Since uh, I won the tournament a year ago, I thought about it and I th- I thought that it's going to be harder this year. So the idea is to bring
3: two supporters instead of one. So I thought to bring my parents along.
0: Normally you
1: you don't have to, you don't play in front of your parents in what sense, is that? Is that weird? Yeah. Since we're no.
0: Well, my mom used to always come and look at the way I play. But she would get too nervous and she would get out of the playing hole. But uh I I'm I'm used to that. And it's a good feeling. So
1: Aronian, the defending champion at this event, playing in front of your parents, nerve wracking or confidence boosting?
0: It was nerve wracking for me when I was younger. Definitely. But now it's the tables have turned and my dad says he gets so nervous that he won't even watch me on the internet. He won't watch any of my game, you know. He says it's it's too much pressure for him, so I don't really have that problem now of uh, anyone stood near the board watching me.
2: Uh, I'm I'm the opposite, actually. I um, My dad, who, who has uh, been a rock throughout my career and has been there right from the start and helped me get to where I am. We, we go to tournaments quite a lot together, actually, still. We especially go to one in, in Italy, and... Uh, I still get nervous when he comes over and looks at my board. Not not nervous because, you know, he used to beat me around the head or something if I lost, but um, because, uh, you know, there's still some sort of innate... Um, you know, desire to please him. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And if you mess up in front of him, it feels even worse. So I, I get a bit nervous still, but uh, it's okay, really. I, I mean, if he has a go at me or something and says, you know, oh, how could you lose that one? I I'd normally say to him, who the hell are You You've got about 1,000 points lower than my rating, so <laughs> I'm bigger than him. Now. I'm bigger than him now as well. So there really is no, uh, there really is no alternative when when I say." My little uh, thing after the game, but no, uh, I, actually, it's it's quite an important subject. And you know what? Because I've been here and I've just, as I, I keep on plugging this tournament, the regional championships here that, that took place in Toluca, Mexico, my kids were there. One thing that I, I'm totally, and this is on a serious note, I'm totally against actually, if it could be implemented, is in the playing hall actually allowing parents to go in and watch the, the kids. The games because i think
0: you're right you know they do that in england they sh- they prevent the yeah, parents going they, into the room they have
2: yeah. you know the two reasons why Stephen. more than anything first of all a because the kids feel so much pressure especially the younger kids when their parents look at them especially if their parents are if i can put it like this pushy or or, or, or can be quite aggressive as well so a lot of the kids really feel under pressure if their parents uh, are watching the game, and you can make a mistake at any point. So we're not, as I was, you know, head coach at this at this place. I, I actually requested that none of the parents went into the tournament hall and watched the games of their kids. And the second thing is, how many allegations have we heard of cheating occurring when people have been allowed into the playing hall, especially parents or the coaches? I mean, Stephen, me and you both know from from when we were playing, you know, world junior championships and stuff. You know. These, these these tournaments were rife with complaints from from players saying, oh, you know, their dad walked in and he whispered a move here and there, you know. So <laughs> I just think, why, why don't we just ban everybody from entering the playing hall? Everybody's got a score sheet. Everybody can note down the game. And after the game is finished, you can then go and analyse the game with them. It actually makes no difference if you watch the game at a certain point than if you watch it at the end in its totality. So... I, I'm. This is me being really serious. I am completely uh, against anybody uh, being able to just enter the playing hall, unless you're. Of course, if you're already playing there, then it's it's completely another question. <laughs> <laughs> but if, <laughs> you know, if,
0: uh, I totally you know, if agree with you, mate. But you're chatting on now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Am I talking bollocks now?
1: In Aronian's case, although both his parents' first language is Russian, I haven't spoken with them at length. I've spoken with his father a bit in Russian, and doesn't seem to be. They don't seem to be terribly aggressive or pushy, uh, and uh, from what I can tell, they're lovely people. So
0: yeah, I mean, I'm sure like it's yeah. it's past the stage where it's an issue for someone like Aronian, right. you know? <laughs> yeah, you speak Russian, Macaulay, yeah.
1: I had two years in university. Yeah.
2: Oh, so you're the guy they caught who was undercover. You're the spy, right? They they sorted you out, did they, in Russia when uh, when you went in there and uh, you know working for the U.S. government. You were the guy who spent. <laughs> you weren't at university. You were in a two years in a Russian prison.
1: No comment.
2: That, that's how you got interested in the chess. You probably played chess for two years. Uh, you're probably twenty seven hundred, and nobody really knows. Look, I watched Twenty Four. I know what you Americans can do. Things can be erased... You know records. You know I've seen it all. Don't think that just because we're over the other side of the Atlantic, we don't know what's going on. We know perfectly well what's going on.
1: On that note, we'll bring this uh, English breakfast to a close.
0: By the way, can I just oh, mention? That, um, we've had a we've had a listener with a feed day rate. Well, not just any feed day rate. This guy's got a rating of twenty-seven seventy-six.
1: Oh yeah, who would that be?
0: Well. You know him better than me, Macaulay. He's with you now. Can you ask him, when you get a chance, if, he'll, um, if I can get his autograph?
1: You want me to ask Magnus Carlsen for his autograph for you?
0: Please, please. Just tell him I'm a big fan. I'll give him a, a shout-out on the show. You know, maybe one day we can be friends. That's all I'm asking for. No, I mean, I, I got told in Capel from the one of his compatriots, John Ludwig Hammer, the show had been sent some magnus. And um, you know, it's awesome news. So if he's listening, please can I get an autograph?
1: Thanks very much for chatting once again. Next
0: time we'll do Eleven Z Go. Cheers, Macaulay. Cheers. Everyone.